Hello, I'm Kian Bexty, and this is the August 12th episode of The Ezra Levant Show. I'm subbing in for my boss, Ezra, and today we're talking about a tragic incident in rural Alberta where a teenaged farm boy was beaten senseless by police. And also, a mural in Calgary is about to be defaced by Black Lives Matter. Mayor Nahid Nenshi is actually paying them over $100,000 to destroy a 25-year-old mural with modernist Black Lives Matter propaganda. It's going to be a great episode and you can see the full thing if you subscribe at rebelnewsplus.com. Otherwise, feel free to listen to this free version of the episode. It's audio only, but it will be epic. Tonight, I speak with the lawyer of a teenage tractor-driving farm boy who was beaten by Alberta police and Nahid Nenshi, well, he hired a white artist to paint Black Lives Matter garbage over a 25-year-old masterpiece. I'm Kian Bexty, it's August 12th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. What is it with radical leftists hating beautiful things? Calgary Mayor Nahid Nenshi is the worst offender. Years ago, after his first term, Nenshi was once known as the world's greatest mayor. But boy, did he ever milk that one. But time goes on and the old shine has begun to rust. Instead, Nahid Nenshi is now known by his spendthrift ways, recklessly writing checks to international modernist artists to trash the cityscape with decidedly ugly art. Millions of dollars wasted on two bobbing chickens outside of his extravagant library, half a million on the Beaufort Towers, which just look like another unfinished Nenshi construction project. And of course, how could anyone forget the nearly half million on the iconically ugly Big Blue Ring. Nenshi isn't just set on paying through the nose for abstract junk. He wants to get rid of the few beautiful things that the city of Calgary has left. Just this week, Nenshi and his fellow radicals on city council passed a motion to pay a Black Lives Matter surrogate to pick four locations in the city and install Black Lives Matter propaganda on them. The most controversial location is one that is right next to the oldest legion in Alberta. It hosts a 25-year-old masterpiece displaying a dove being released by a giant pair of hands. Giving wings to the dream, it's called. I was on location just yesterday. Check it out. Regardless of if they're black or white or Asian or gay or straight, it doesn't matter. Everyone can associate and see the beauty in this mural. On top of all Calgarians, it's also something that can be related to by the folks that are living specifically here in downtown on the East End. People who are historically downtrodden, whether they be Indigenous or white, folks who are experiencing homelessness or addiction. This mural speaks to them. This whole project, the, the Cup Society, uh, is for the unemployed, the folks experiencing homelessness and addiction. That is what this beautiful mural was commissioned over 25 years ago to represent. Nenshi has hired Pink Flamingo to raise that piece of art and replace it with modern political messaging. Let's take a peek at what this group, the Pink Flamingo, is all about. 
Pink Flamingo is all of us, they say. This is a BIPOC slash LGBTQQIP2SAA plus event for inclusive fun and a great environment. Enjoy a respectful and conscious space with people who get it while getting to know each other. So woke, it's almost painful to read out loud. Safe to say this is Nancy's type, but it gets worse. They have a document that outlines their approaches to decision-making. This is how they want their fantastic new world order to be ran. On the left here, we have the evil culture of whiteness. They hate things that have defined timeframes, exclusive meetings, and laughably, they want to get rid of rational and data-driven decision-making. This low IQ band of radicals literally wants to stupefy our institutions. These layabouts prefer non-academic decision-making. You can't make this stuff up. And it's who Nahid Nenshi gave over $100,000 to deface a massive piece of artwork. That 25-year-old masterpiece can inspire anyone, from the intern taking the train to work to the recovering opioid addict. Everyone can see a message in that nuanced artwork. That is what makes it beautiful. It's also why Nenshi hates it. It doesn't virtue signal enough for his perpetually oppressed minority vote. You might ask yourself, can this situation get any more stupid? Well, of course, the answer is always yes. This is the artist, and I use that term generously, that they've selected to paint this ode to Black Lives Matter. Bam. Bam. The whitest Black Lives Matter activist you ever did see. Her paintings aren't really anything interesting. It's just a bunch of nude, fat women with inflamed vulvas. Morbidly disgusting, frankly. Nahid Nenshi wants to replace this with this. It's stunning. It's unbelievable, actually. You can go to savethemural.com to check out this horrendous story and sign the petition demanding that Nahid Nenshi puts an end to this disgrace. Now, on July 31st, Jeremiah, a young farm boy in Alberta, had an altercation with the Alberta sheriffs that he will never forget. While driving a tractor to a hayfield, five sheriffs surrounded his tractor and allegedly punched and body slammed the teenaged farmer onto the pavement of a rural Alberta highway just near Olds, Alberta. According to the police, the young man refused to comply with Trudeau's new draconian law that forces without cause breathalyzer testing on anyone and everyone the police want to test. It's a new law and it's so oppressive and seemingly illegal that many folks don't even believe that the law exists, but it does. After all, the police, don't they need probable cause or a reason to even so much as check your ID? How are they able to forcibly make you take a breathalyzer test. Well, it's Trudeau's rules, even if they do seem unconstitutional. In young Jeremiah's case, his family says that it wasn't even the law that confused him. He didn't even know what a breathalyzer was, much less why the police were trying to shove it down his throat on the roadside. At just 18 years old, Jeremiah has been homeschooled his whole life, alongside his dozen other siblings. TVs just aren't a part of their household and the only time that they ever need to leave the farm is to go pick up parts. These aren't city folks, but the police, well, they treated Jeremiah like he was some sort of hardened criminal. In fact, after beating the kids senseless, 
They cuffed him and left him in the back of a squad car for hours on a day where the heat almost reached 30 degrees Celsius. It's almost unbelievable that law enforcement in Alberta is acting in this way. The family has retained Tony Rolston. She's the same Calgary lawyer that successfully defended Edward Maurice, the rural Albertan icon of property rights and self-defense. The family has set up a GoFundMe to help with the legal bill, and we're here directing all of the traffic at helpjeremiah.com towards their GoFundMe to help out some Albertans who really need it. Now, here's what Jeremiah's siblings had to say about the violent altercation. So I started the GoFundMe uh, Sunday afternoon. One of my first purposes would be to help uh, Dominic and Jeremiah out with uh, lawyer fees because they're obviously going to have to uh, appear in court and they don't have a lot of money. They're helping out with the family farm business and they don't get a wage like lots of other people do. And I also started to bring awareness, bring awareness that we're losing our uh, freedom and rights in our country and also to bring awareness that what the sheriffs did and how they handled the situation was very disrespectful to a good citizen, a hard-working young farm boy, and very unprofessional. So I wasn't on scene. I was away working at another job. Very busy time of year. Yeah. This is probably the worst year in over 18 years, or it is, in Alberta farming history for farmers. Very difficult time, very stressful. When I heard about it, I came uh, back to home immediately or to see what I could do and how I could help out. And I was just shocked, and since then I've been just continually more and more shocked, especially as footage rolls in from bystanders and people that filmed it and are supporting and trying to help out and so on, and also in shock. And that's just been escalating more and more. Why did this happen? And, uh, and you know, what can we do to prevent stuff like this happening in the future? And just trying to come to grasp with the situation every time I look at my brother's face and I see how shook up he is and you look at... Uh, you know, the blood and all the filming and footage and pictures and whatnot, the same thing just happens over and over again. Cannot believe that this actually happened here in Alberta. Now today, I got the chance to speak with Jeremiah's lawyer, Tony Rolston. She's the attorney who represented the Albertan folk hero, Edward Maurice. You probably know him. He's the young family man who pulled out his gun to defend his family and property when criminals broke onto his property. Well, Tony Rolston successfully defended him in the case closely followed by many rural Albertans. And I caught up with her outside the courthouse in Calgary to talk about this case, which is sure to be the same. Uh, just to get started, could you give us an idea of the legal battle that Dominic and Jeremiah are going to be facing in the next few months? Well, both of them are subject to criminal charges. They both have a court date coming up in Didsbury towards the end of October. With respect to Jeremiah, his charges are refusal and resisting or obstructing a police officer. With respect to Dominic, he has two charges of obstructing a police officer and causing a disturbance. The concern that we have with respect to this, of course, is the fact that if they are found guilty, they will have a criminal record. They will be subject to some sort of punitive 
aspect in the sense of fines or probation and so forth. And they're both very, very young. And in my opinion, from what I've seen of the video and upon speaking with my client, the concern is, is that this whole incident could have been handled so much differently. And we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have two young boys, and I say young or young adults, that are actually subject now to the criminal justice system when they've never, ever had an interaction. What, what went wrong that day, in your opinion? What did the sheriffs do wrong uh, when they, I mean, obviously punching them is the wrong thing to do, but how did it escalate so quickly? We don't have disclosure yet. Disclosure is the evidence against Jeremiah at that we expect to get probably within a couple of weeks. So I can't comment fully on that, but from what I've seen from the video and from my client's perspective, Jeremiah's perspective, one of the concerns that we have is you see these sheriffs chasing down this tractor in the video. Someone gets into the other side of the tractor. There's four or five sheriffs there and you see some movement in the tractor. From what I understand, that's when Jeremiah is being punched and hit and pulled from both sides. Then he's yanked down the tract out of the tractor. And the concern that we have clearly in every citizen of Canada and especially in Alberta as farmers, what is happening where somebody is actually being pulled out and punched? and actually punch. So what people need to really think about is the fact that he's in a tractor, he's going to go, hey, that's what they're doing. They're under a lot of time pressure to get this done. He's not doing anything nefarious. And what ends up happening is it just accelerates to this. Where's the conversation? Where's the explaining? These people are law abiding. There's no need to, to think that this individual is evading the police or trying to avoid where is the conversation that needed to happen before it resorts to physical violence so you've actually worked on a pretty high profile case just recently and that concluded successfully uh with edward edward maurice down in uh okotoks yes. uh what what sort of parallels can you draw between these two cases with respect to both of these cases, my concern is with respect to how the police conduct themselves initially. That's where this all starts. What steps are the police taking initially when they're investigating? Why jump straight to charges? Why not have a discussion, have an interaction with the individual rather than jumping to charges or jumping to physically grabbing somebody and punching them and throwing them out of a vehicle? In both cases, had everyone just slowed down, had a discussion, and maybe that's where some training comes in with respect to this, these both instances, then in either case, we may not have been here today. We might not be clogging up the court system with these types of cases. So I want to uh, talk about the, the tractor that was actually seized. Um, a day or two later it was returned uh, they weren't sure the family wasn't sure who paid the tow charge um, or who is going to be paying the uh, the the cost of repairing the transmission do you know who sort of takes the the blame on that and who's going to be paying those bills I think it's going to be a civil matter that uh, certainly we're going to try to address it on the criminal side within a charter notice whereby we already foresee regardless of the disclosure that Jeremiah's rights have been violated. We're going to try to address it, but the criminal forum is not the proper forum for that. So 
with respect to a civil lawyer. I've been speaking to a civil lawyer regarding that and hopefully the insurance companies are going to step up because they are insured and that should be battled among the insurance. But what's urgent right now is they ought to have their tractor put in the exact same position that it was because now they have a loaner and the problem with that is it's a smaller tractor it's not as efficient this is a three hundred thousand dollar piece of machinery that some tow truck driver was directed to just throw on some sort of a ramp and take it away there's no thought process there again there's no accountability can somebody stop and think for a moment how are we going to do as little damage as possible so that we're not here and it's the taxpayer that's going to pay for both of these court cases. Would you say um, that overall that seizure of the tractor was unlawful in your opinion? I think we're going to have to look at the disclosure with respect to that. Police are permitted to seize a vehicle capable of being put into motion under these types of charges. But at the same time, that's not really where the live issue is. The issue is if they're taking responsibility for that piece of machinery, then take responsibility and have someone, if you're going to tow it, have someone who actually understands the machinery tow it properly. Because there was actually a sticker on it that said, don't, yeah, don't tow it. Don't tow. Yeah, it actually wrecks the transmission. So yes. my, one of my final questions, unless you had other stuff to add here, is are you going to be, over the course of this criminal trial uh, and any civil uh, litigation that happens afterwards. Are you going to be pursuing on behalf of your clients some sort of professional complaint against the sheriffs uh, who actually ended up arresting them? How, so how is there the, the accountability that you're talking about? I mean, even if Jeremiah is not found not guilty, where's the accountability with the officers? That's looking further down the road. We do have some time to file a complaint regarding that. Once we get the disclosure and hopefully we have the sheriffs having some sort of body camera or having a camera on the car so we can also get another angle as to what occurred because my understanding is Jeremiah sat in the back of a police car that was very hot with his hands behind his backs and we have marks to show of, on the handcuffs on his wrists so we want an opportunity to review that disclosure that ought to be part of disclosure and then we can make a proper assessment as to what steps to make in that realm, whether or not we're going to proceed with a complaint against the police or the sheriffs in this case. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. You've been on the forefront of so many interesting cases here in Alberta, and we'll be sure to follow along as this case proceeds. Uh, if the viewers at home want to help Jeremiah out, they can go to helpjeremiah.com and that will forward you to the GoFundMe page that his sisters actually set up to help with all the legal fees. We, you just heard the conversation we had. It is going to be a long trial, uh, both civil and criminal. If you can help Jeremiah out, that would go a long ways. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. is going to hell in a handbasket, but we're here to slow the pace as much as we can. Go to savethemural.com and sign that petition, calling on Nenshi to scrap this tragic destruction of artwork, and then go to helpjeremiah.com to help out a young man in need of our support. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Tomorrow, the illustrious Sheila Gunn-Reed will take Ezra's spot. Good night and God bless.